0: Do you believe in the devil? I mean I mean a real being who has a name possesses power and is at work all around the the world this this very moment. I don't mean evil personified i, I don't I don't mean an expression of wickedness or general concept but the the angelic being that the Bible calls Satan or Lucifer, son of the of the morning, if you don't by by the end of this sermon, you will uh, if you take the Bible seriously at all, because in the in the fifth and sixth trumpet in in Revelation chapter nine, which is where we're going to be this morning, God describes judgment that is unleashed through the person or the being named Satan. And the, the final blast of the trumpets, we've, we've seen Jesus Christ exalted. The centerpiece of heaven, He's taken the scroll from the hand of the Father. We've seen the scroll unfurled and the seven seals broken. The seventh seal containing the the seven trumpets, and we looked at the first four trumpets, and and now we're going to look at at the fifth and and sixth trumpet, and 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 God calls these this fifth and sixth trumpet announcement the the first and second woes, and then of course the seventh trumpet is is what contains the bold judgments in and of itself, and. In the last time as I said we we saw these these first four trumpets. And in the first trumpet a third of the earth is is burned up in Revelation chapter 8 and a third of the seas are bloodied at the at the second trumpet the seven angels are are perched and and each begins to blow at his appointed time and that at the, the blowing of the, the third trumpet, a third of the waters are, are embittered. And at the fourth trumpet, a third of the, of the stars or the luminaries are, are blackened. And, and just like with the seals, and just like you'll see with, with the bowls, there's this pause between the first four, whether it's the seals or the trumpets, and then, and then the last two. It's a pause. It's like catch your breath because... What's coming is worse than than what's already there. That's hard for us to fathom. Whenever you 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 really think about what's taking place in in just these first four trumpets, and that's on top of what's already taking place with the with the seals. And Revelation chapter eight verse thirteen is this verse that that's uh that announces this pause, and it says an angel cried with a loud voice, "Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because." of the remaining blasts of the trumpets, of the three angels who, who are about to sound. And the point is that the remaining trumpets are, that are yet to come are far worse. And the, the, next, tru- the next two that we're going we're gonna to look at involves satanic activity, such as the world has, has never known. Satan has, has always been at work on, on the earth. There's a, there's a period of increased activity when the Lord Jesus Christ is, is on the earth walking. And here in Revelation, it, it's going to be unparalleled like anything that, that the world has ever seen or anything ever described in, in the Bibles. These, these last two trumpets or the two trumpets before the bowls, the fifth and sixth, are called, the, are called woes because of the severity and the nature of the, uh, of the judgments the The fifth trumpet's going to bring intense torment on the earth's unsaved population, those that are still alive and and it's going to get to the point where they will they will long for death and yet they're not going to be able to die there's going to be no relief Have you ever been around a believer that that knows where they're going whenever they die and and they they just get to that point where they say, not my will, Lord, but yours, but I, I'm ready to go home. I mean, they're just ready to leave this, leave this world in order to enter heaven. It's the opposite for the people that you're going to see this morning in the in the fifth trumpet. They're going to long for death to, to ease the torment that they're, they're going through, not because they long to be, to be with the Lord, but there's going to be no relief. It's going to be impossible for them to die. And then in the sixth trumpet, a third of those inhabitants will die. Satan himself will lead a demonic army that's going to destroy a third of the population on the planet. Many commentators talk about or call the, this, this fifth and sixth seal, this part of tribulation, hell on earth. And it's, it's that way because God links, lengthens the devil's leash the devil is on a leash, and here God lengthens the leash, and he grants him permission to torment and to kill. And it's like hell because God suspends death while that's happening. So what comes to your mind whenever you think of of the, whenever I say the word the devil? What image comes, comes into your mind? Is this what you see? You know the, the the little guy with the with the red suit and the pitchfork. Maybe you have that concept of like the you know the little angel on one shoulder and then the the devil with the pitchfork on the other. What what image comes to your mind whenever you think of the devil? Is is this what you think of? Now just to be fair, maybe this is what you think of. All right. I did. Did I'm meddling this morning? Perhaps. It's not either one of those political figures or the little red guy. Maybe what you think about whenever you think of the devil is this horrific, grotesque monster that brings fire and strikes fear in, in your heart. The Bible up to this point describes Satan in a very different way. He's called the father of lies. He's called the accuser of the brethren. But but Satan presents himself as an angel of light. Not a goofy character or or a vile monster. That's not how Satan presents himself. That's not how the Bible presents his, his veneer. Now, his motives are rotten to the core for sure, and His, his plans and His purposes are, are to destroy mankind. He's evil. There's no question about that. He's a, he presents Himself as an angel of light. He's not an angel of, of light. He's, a, he's an angel of, of darkness. But His true character is veiled to, to most of the world. I mean, The satanic church is not the, the, the main thing that you and I need to worry about. We need to worry about the counterfeit church. Not the satanic church. The, the biggest threat to to the gospel today and to the world is is not the the ones that the little small group of pagans that that gather under the name Lucifer. It's it's something much greater because it's veiled. It seems to be something that that it's not. Satan in the Bible up to this point is described as hideously attractive. It's like an oxymoron. Hideously attractive, and during the church age, the period between the cross and the and the rapture, the, when the tribulation comes, Satan expresses his evil in veiled beauty. I think that's one of the reasons that the ideas that normally comes to people's mind is the is the little red guy or the monster, because Satan is a detractor. He's a deceiver. He's presenting something that that he's not because he does his real work in, in, in a veiled way. And I think it's vital for, for you and I to remember when you think about the devil's schemes. You've heard me say a number of times the, the devil doesn't knock on your door and say, hello, I'm the devil, would you let me in and I want to ruin your light? And you, you say, sure, come on in. He slithers in like the snake or the serpent in the garden. He's seductive. He introduces sin into our lives. And you have, to, you have to understand how the devil presents himself. What the Bible says, so you don't fall prey to the very purpose of that deception, which is that he's at work and you don't even know he's, he's at, at work. Satan's work in the world today, on the surface, looks even good. Even some of the actions... May do good things as you and I might, might think them. Satan does good works. He doesn't fly the banner of Satan. He may fly the banner of, of any relief organization. He does good works like digging wells in drought stricken Africa. He sends teams of relief workers to educate children about landmines in Somalia. He gives resources to ease suffering. Around the world, he, he salves the conscience of billions of people through, through vain religions. He, he brings prosperity and comfort to countless millions of people. There are millions of people on the planet that are prosperous and live sumptuous lives but don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, what does it profit a man or a woman who, if they gain the whole world and yet they, they lose their, their, their soul? They, they see no need of God because they're full of everything else. And Satan is happy to fill them with prosperity, fill them with purpose, fill them with stuff, fill them with, with things. Are those the kind of things that come to your mind whenever you think of the, think of the work of the, of the devil? Well, that's what the Bible means when, when it says he presents himself as an angel of, of light. He pretends to be something that he's not. He imitates God. He imitates good. And those who follow him, many who follow him, for the worldly ways that he presents, brings them a measure of happiness on the earth. The devil doesn't care. What lie you believe, just as long as you don't believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't care what lie it is, whether it's moralism, whether it's prosperity, whether it's drugs and alcohol or or immorality. He doesn't care what lie you believe, just as long as you believe it and you continue on the path to, to hell. He has no remorse whatsoever. The devil doesn't have a conscience like you. Your conscience is part of being made in the image of God. Satan has no conscience. He lies. He's the father of lies, Jesus says. And you remember that he has a desire to be like the Most High and to be worshipped. And you should also remember he hates you and me. The church, He hates all mankind because we're made in the image of God. We're made to bring God glory, and Satan wants that glory for himself. That's the ultimate sin or the ultimate pride. And while he's an angel of light and, and his, his work is, is veiled, in Revelation 9, as this tribulation judgment is underway, the mask comes off. And his true nature is revealed to all. He no longer pretends to be an angel of light. He is, a, he is a force of destruction. And I'm going to show you something at the very end of chapter 9 that will absolutely blow your mind about that, that idea of him being revealed, but we'll have to wait till, till we get there. And at this point, Satan knows his time is short. He drops the pretense and does everything he can to steal and kill and destroy and afflict and torture and by doing so, he carries out God's perfect judgment. And the angel blows the trumpet and initiates this at the, at the fifth seal. If you're not there, turn to Revelation 9. And we'll begin reading in verse 1. And we'll see how, how John describes this under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It says, Then the fifth angel sounded. And I saw a star fallen, or a star that had fallen from heaven to earth. And to him was given the key to the bottomless pit, or the abyss. And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. Then out of the smoke came locusts, out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth, and And to them was given power as scorpions of the earth have power. And they were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. And they were they were not given authority to kill them, but to torment for five months. And the torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. The shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle On their heads were crowns of something like gold and their faces were like the faces of men and their hair like women's hair and their teeth like lion's teeth and they had breastplates like breastplates of iron and the, the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle and they had tails like scorpions and there were stings in their tails their power was to hurt men five months and they had a king over them the angel of the bottomless pit whose name in hebrew is abaddon but in greek he has the name apollyon Now the outline of chapter nine is pretty simple the fifth trumpet brings demonic torment. It's in the first 12 verses. And then the sixth trumpet brings a satanic slaughter. and We're going to look at that next week. We're going to look at the fifth trumpet this morning. And he begins with this unmasking of Satan in in chapter 9. Look, if you will, at at verse 1. The fifth angel sounded, and John says, I saw a star that had fallen from from heaven to earth. Now, the star is described as had fallen, depending on the version that that, that you have. It's not that one version is right or wrong. Some bring out the aspect of the Greek. If this is in the perfect tense, it points to something that's already occurred in the past, but has ongoing results. Satan fell from heaven before creation, and, and yet... He remains a fallen creature and he remains in the earth wreaking havoc. And God unleashes him in chapter 9 of Revelation as an instrument to bring judgment. Now, you don't have to know Greek to see that this is Satan. The star that had fallen is is given a key to a bottomless pit. A a star can't, can't have a key i this star is seen performing actions of a person. In verse two it's called a hymn. The star is a hymn. He opens the abyss and and this star is given a name, uh, Abaddon and Apollyon, and he's called a king. It's it's none other than than Satan himself, and God uses him to bring a horrifying judgment on the on the unbelieving earth. Look at what he does in in verse two. He's revealed, or he's unmasked, and then, and then he's given a key, and he unlocks the, the abyss. To him was given a key to the bottomless pit, and he opened the bottomless pit. This is the initiation of the, of the judgment. Now, I want you to notice he was given a key. He doesn't have the key. He, he has no authority except what has been granted by God here, and even that is limited He's given the key to this bottomless pit, this abyss. And then he goes to work. Job teaches us well the, the limitations of Satan and, the, and the, authority, the authority of God. Many of you know the the book of Job. You know how Job, Job starts out. The sons of men are presenting themselves to God. And, and Satan is also in the midst. And there's this conversation that takes place in the book of Job between Satan... And, and God. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. That should be the, the, the desire for your life. If, if anything could be said about you, you would want that statement said, You, you fear God and you hate evil. You shun evil. And so Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, all of his household, and all around that he has on every side, meaning that that he can't be touched by me or, or anybody else? He says, you've blessed the work of his hands. His possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And look at what the Lord says to Satan. Behold, all that he has is in your power. He grants permission. But even that permission has limitation. Only do not lay a hand on his person. And so Satan went out from the the presence of the Lord. All the evil that befalls Job is by the hand of Satan. And, of course, other men... But none of it's outside of the jurisdiction of God. I can remember reading that as a as a new believer and just asking the question, "Why?" or why?" I mean, just as an immature believer, why would you do that? Why would you allow that Why would you allow the devil to do that to job? And then I remember just just praying I, I was on a blue uh, lazy boy recliner on my knees, asking God for forgiveness for asking why, you know as if who am I to question?" The Lord. But the point here with this this word given is the idea Satan is not the master of hell. That's foreign to Scripture. Satan is hell's victim. He's not the ruler. That's where he's going to be confined one day in judgment by God. That's his stick. He wants you to believe that he has more power. Oh, he's a powerful being. But he wants to gain glory. Satan is not equal to God. He's a created being. And our sin opened the door for him to be the prince of the power of this world. But the prince of the power of this world is not greater than the king of kings. Amen? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Satan has no power that God could not remove at any moment. God just chooses not to remove it. And here... He lengthens the leash. And what an evil prince he is. Look if you would at verse 2. And he opened the bottomless pit. Now, you probably wouldn't pay attention to this unless I pointed it out. But he's given the key to the bottomless pit and he opened the bottomless pit. That's how you're supposed to see that. It gives you a glimpse of his motives. He, there's, he doesn't need to be coaxed. He's given the key, he opens the pit. He simply needs the opportunity and the removal of God's restraining hand. And then he springs into action. So what is this abyss? He's given the key to to an abyss or a bottomless pit. And out of this pit comes some really nasty stuff. I'd be happy if God would, would just keep the key, but he doesn't the abyss is the temporary its temporary abode or or prison for a portion of the demons portion of demons we're not told why a portion of demons are are confined to the abyss or the bottomless pit but they're there awaiting the final judgment that will come later in in revelation and when satan led the rebellion of heaven a third of the angels followed him and they were judged by by god that but their judgment, like Adam's, had a, had an immediate and also a future aspect. You remember what God said to, to Adam and Eve. God told Adam, if you eat of the tree, you shall surely die. But Adam's still tilling the land and he's kissed out, cast out of the garden and so on and so forth. And Adam did die spiritually. There was an immediate judgment at that very moment. You remember their eyes were open. And they saw their nakedness. They became aware there was an immediate judgment. But there's also a future judgment, a future aspect of, of that judgment. He's going to face physical death, Adam, in Adam, we all die and there's even a future judgment beyond physical death for for those in, in Adam, there's the second death or, or, or hell. there was an immediate judgment for Adam, for the angels, and then there's a future aspect of, of that judgment. and when the angels rebelled, God cast them from his presence in heaven. They could no longer enjoy the presence of God. But he appointed a day in the future when he'll render a final judgment. And that final judgment, he'll cast them in the lake of of the fire. Between those two points, some demons are permitted to roam about the earth and do work. And some are confined to this place called the abyss or this... Bottomless pit second Peter two four describes it as the abode of the judged or tartarus it's it's a it's like a prison. Jude six describes it as eternal bonds they're kept in eternal bonds under under darkness and here in revelation nine it's described as a pit or shaft of an abyss again we're not we're not told why they're confined there other than what Peter and Jude says says that that they were judged because they left their their natural or normal habitation. They they left the place that they were created for. They left the abode of God and chose to follow Satan. And because of that, judgment came. We know from Luke's gospel that this place, the abyss, is is, is a place that demons fear. They're aware of it. You might recall when Jesus is casting out the, uh, the demons... He has this conversation with the demons in the Gospel of Luke, and they and they beg him not to send them into the abyss. Don't don't judge us. Don't send us to this place that's that's talking about here in Revelation. And he casts them into the into the swine. This is a bad place. <laughs> so bad that demons don't want to go there. And whoever is in this pit, why why they got there we're 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 not told but there's some pretty bad dudes. Satan is given authority, he's given a key by God to open the abyss and to release these demons that have been locked up as part of of divine wrath. And whoever these demons are, they're vile creatures. Look if you would at verse 2 in the second have. there's the unmasking of satan there's the unlocking of the abyss and then there's this unveiling of who these demons are that have been that have been there he opened the the bottomless pit and smoke arose out of the pit like smoke of a great furnace and the air was darkened because of the smoke of the pit the word air here refers to atmosphere about the earth it's not like the heavens beyond. This is this is the, the sphere, the air of the earth. And the air's the earth's atmosphere is going to be polluted with smoke that's coming out of, of the abyss. It will it will block out the sun. Some of the former judgments, the, the, the stars and the sun and the moon are darkened themselves and they, they don't give light. They're going to continue to give whatever light they're giving, but But the whole earth is going to be veiled, cloaked in in darkness. Literally, demonic activity will fill the atmosphere. And they're going to be visible. They're going to be seen. The sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. And then out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth. Right now, you can't see the devil at work can you I mean, you can't see him literally you can see his work <laughs> His work's pretty evident but you can't see demons and yet the bible tells us that there is a natural world and a spiritual world and right now this very moment this room is filled with spiritual beings according to the scriptures they're angels that look into the church and they Behold the display of God's wisdom. God's wisdom is the fact that he saved you and he gathered this motley crew called his his church. The the angels, the the elect angels, the good angels look into the church and see what we're doing and and obviously Satan is also in the midst of the church. The Bible tells us in the midst of the church there wheat and there tares and he's influencing and he's he's working but you can't we can't see those spiritual forces. If God would unveil our eyes this very moment, it'd probably scare us to death. All of you'd be under the pews, really. I would be under the pulpit. It would be petrifying because we're not used to that. Now sometimes we, we scare each other by how we look, but I'm sure that that we would be terrified seeing demons, and yet here they're going to be visible. The pit's going to be open. There's going to be so many of them. There's going to be so many seen in the sky that it's going to black out the, the sun. And Ephesians 2.2 2 tells us that this world right now is full of demonic forces and activity. For visibility is described. Ephesians 2.2, 2, a great passage that talks about how you were dead but God, being rich in mercy... In verse 2 it says, "...in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air." Watch how Satan is described here. He's the prince of the power of the air. He's the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Satan is described as air and as spirit. He's now working you can't see air. You can't see spirits, but you, but you can see the effects and, oh, how we see the devastating effects of Satan. You see it in your own life whenever you fall to his temptations. You see it in the world, and at times it's, it's shocking. Many people today don't believe in a, in a real devil or, or in demons. But on this day, they'll believe because they'll see them. Their very eyes will behold, and, and they'll be terrified. And John describes them like locusts having having power of a scorpion. Look at verse 3. He goes on to continue to describe what they look like. Out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth. Now, that's not literal locusts. The Bible uses locusts as a symbol of, of judgment. And I'll show you that in the description in a minute, they're like locusts. God would send locusts and they would devour everything in their path in the Old Testament. And there's going to be so many demons that they'll look like a swarm of locusts devastating everything before them. But I want you to notice that they're not going to harm crops. They're going to be locusts devouring people. Do you like bugs? Do you get squeamish around bugs? Yeah, they don't bother me too much. But I mean, you know, there are times when the stink bug infestation comes or maybe times when when the the cicadas are there. and I mean, you can't walk anywhere without stepping on them. Imagine what that will be like. There will be so many that you can't even see through the air and yet they're going to be demons. John says that they're going to be given the power of scorpions, verse 3, and was given to them the power as the scorpions have power on the earth. The scorpion torments. They're going to inflict like a scorpion inflicts. A scorpion stings, brings excruciating pain but but doesn't kill. And these demons are going to do the same thing to the unbelieving. But the people of God are going to be spared. Look at verse 4. They're not to harm the grass like normal locusts or any green thing or any tree. Only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. God always separates His people from those who are not his people, because we're not appointed under wrath. Their visibility is described, and their authority is decreed. Here, look if you would at verse, at verse three. They were given power. Satan was given a key. In verse three, and was given to them power. They were told. Not to, to harm certain ones. They were allowed to torment, but not, but not kill. They were given a period of time to work. Five months. All of those statements give us clarity of who's in control. And whatever authority they have, they've been, it's been granted to them by God to bring His judgment. They were restricted. They could only go so far, just like he, Satan was in Job, and they're limited to how long. They can only torment for, for five months. And you should remember to respect the wiles of the devil. He's smarter than you are. But you should not worship his power like fear. He is a powerful being. But as the song says, there's no power of hell nor scheme of man that's able to pluck me from my Savior's hand. And whatever affliction you're facing, even if it's from the hand of Satan, you remember it's been sifted through the good fingers of your God. Look at the, the result of the torment. They're given authority, and then their torment is is developed. What's the what's the result of, of the torment that's that's there? Look if you word verse six In those days men will seek death and will not find it. They'll desire to die and death will flee from them. The torture of this demonic horde will be so severe, so excruciating, people will wish they were dead. They will seek to die, but God's not going to permit it. And we're not told exactly how God does this, but but it's evidently a supernatural suspending of death. That's one of the reasons people call this hell on earth. People will try to end their lives, to escape the pain. But just like in hell, they won't be able to make it end. It is a taste of... Of hell on earth. Hell's a place that the Bible says where the worm dies not. Men will seek the fire to stop, but there will be no hope and there will be no end. Men here are going to seek the end of this intense demonic affliction, but it won't be possible. The idea of death as an escape is a demonic deception. People think suicide is a way out but it's only from the torments of this earth into something much more tormentable where there's no escape whatsoever. That's why Satan lies. He lies like that. He gets you to to do it. He he can't take your life. He can't make you sin. He can't force you to do anything. So he has to convince you to do it for him. And he does that, too, sadly, to a lot of people. He's the great deceiver. Their appearance is further defined. It goes into detail in verses 7 through 10. The shape of the locusts, in verse 7, were like horsemen prepared for, for battle. On their heads were crowns of something like gold. Now notice how many times as you read from verse 7 to verse 10, the word like is repeated. They're like a scorpion in that they torment in verse 3. They're like horses. They're like gold that faces, like men, they had hair like a woman's like lion's teeth the repetitions to tell us this is symbolic i don't really think there's any way to conceive in our minds what they'll look like i mean how do you how do you conceive something that you've never seen before any of you ever seen a demon seen the work john uses things that we understand to try to present this picture and the demons presented here are unnatural and awesome in cruelty. Here is the fearful monster, and those that see these demons will will melt in terror. But they're they're nothing compared to to their ruler. Look at you. What at verse eleven? Their power was to hurt men for five months, and they had as a king over them. The angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, and in Greek he has the name Apollyon. Their ruler is is declared. They have a king over them. This is another indication that these creatures are not literal locusts. The Bible tells us that literal locusts have no king. Proverbs 30, verse 27. You know the book of Proverbs? Proverbs. Locusts have no king, yet they all advance in ranks. These locusts have a king. And then the king is Satan himself. He's involved in this judgment. Demonic forces are involved in this judgment. Those that have been bound in the pit are unleashed, and they're involved in the judgment. And Scripture teaches us that Satan is the ruler or king of fallen angels. They've chosen to follow him. They're called his angels in Matthew 12, 24, Revelation 12, 4, and verse 7. And this king's name is significant. Anytime you see a name in the Bible, it's significant. This king's name is Abaddon in Hebrew and Apollyon in Greek. And that name means the one who destroys or destroyer. And that's exactly what Satan does. Satan here is not being forced by God to do anything that's not his nature. This is his nature. If Satan had free reign to do whatever he wanted to do, this is what he would do. He's just been on a leash. I remember Brett Edwards, the pastor that discipled me, giving a a little illustration about the devil for believers and unbelievers. He said, You ever... Walk up to a house and there's a, there's a a gate there, a fence, chain link fence, and, and you go around it, and you walk up on the porch, you're already inside the fence, and you get up on the porch and you go to knock on the door, and over to the side, there's a sign that had fallen that says, beware of dog. And then you look to the other side and you see a leash, and the dog's not on the leash. He said, that's the way it is for unbelievers. For a believer, Satan's on a leash for you. And his leash is only so long, however long God chooses it to be. And all he can do is bark. B.R. Lakin said the devil is like a bumblebee. God's pulled a stinger out, and now all he can do is buzz. He buzzes a lot, doesn't he? His name here is called the destroyer because that's what he does. Satan has come to kill and to steal and to destroy. He offers you beauty and leaves you ashes. He promises you the world and leads you to hell. But there's another name in the Bible, isn't there? It's the only name given under heaven whereby we might be saved. It's the name Jesus. You know what the name Jesus means? God saves. God delivers. It's the name above all names. It's the name that means deliver. And while Satan's name means destroyer, Jesus' name means God saves in Hebrew. And He's the one who also acts by His nature. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, and whoever does that will not be put to shame. It means that you won't call upon him in vain, and then God will say, well, I've chosen not to do that today. God acts by his nature like Satan acts by his his nature. And Jesus is the one who, who came to give life, not take it. And the Bible says, call upon his name. Be aware of this name. Be aware of how he works, but call upon the other name. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you believe on him, call upon him, you put your faith and trust in what he's done, he'll deliver you from sin. You reject him. You follow your own way. And destruction that comes from Satan and sin... Far worse than what we just read in Revelation 9 awaits. And as bad as this trumpet is, look at how verse 12 transitions to the next one. One woe is past. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these. It's almost too much to take in, isn't it? And that's exactly what the Bible says... Is happening. But you bow your heads with me for a moment. I don't know your heart. I don't know whether you're you're tormented and afflicted. I don't know whether you're you're falling to temptation. I don't know whether you're believing lies. Maybe your heart's full of of unbelief. You you lack faith. You lack joy. I don't know what it is. But I can tell you, none of that's from God. And as the song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face and the things of earth will go strangely dim. Have you called upon the name of the Lord? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? If you don't, He invites you. Call upon Me. And I will answer thee, and I will show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. But you have to call, you have to believe, and God makes that offer even today. Father, we thank you for your work. We thank you for the clarity of your word. It's terrifying. It's overwhelming. I find my heart being being filled to capacity, and and it's almost like an emotional disconnect. I just can't take anymore. It, and yet, Lord, I know it's coming. And I know people are dying, Christless, this very moment. we prayed for people that are going out. We met people this past week that are blind and they're lost. And if they die, they're going to hell, Lord. God, help us to remember that. And help us to keep our eyes on Christ. Thank You for loving us, Lord. Thank You for Jesus and the way of salvation. We pray it all in His name. Amen.